0: Support for the SOURCE podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org. We knew the world would not be the same. Few people Laughed. A few people cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Vishnu was trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him, takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another.
1: Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. What we just heard was J. Robert Oppenheimer, credited as the creator of the atomic bomb, in an interview with NBC News after the atomic bomb was first used by the United States. The U.S. dropped their first bomb on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945, near the end of World War II. Three days later, on August 9, the U.S. dropped another atomic bomb on Nagasaki. The exact number of deaths from these combined bombings has been called unknowable by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, but the number is estimated to be in the hundreds of thousands and the images of the aftermath on Hiroshima and Nagasaki are graphic and hard to look at. The release of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer in 2023 looks at the journey of Robert Oppenheimer as he rushes to create the atomic bomb with a team. It also shows the physical and psychological impact of such a life-destroying weapon. Joining us today to talk about the movie and its real-life implications is Robert Frye. He is a producer and director of several documentaries on the impact of nuclear weapons. Robert says, nuclear weapons, what are they good for? His latest documentary is from 2023, and it's called In Search of Resolution. And Robert, thank you so much for coming on our show today to talk about this. It's
0: good hearing your voice. I uh, look forward to our conversation.
1: Well, you know, Robert, as someone who works in Bringing awareness to the threat of nuclear weapons, I'm curious on what your reaction was to watching the movie Oppenheimer. What did you think of it?
0: Well, Hannah, first of all, thank you for inviting me back to the source. I appreciate the opportunity to have another conversation. And I think it's interesting. Obviously, it's a topic that I've spent the last 15 years of my life dealing with. And I think the movie itself is a very good primer for people that have no idea about the challenges of nuclear weapons and what they pose for the world. And also, obviously, it's focused on not only Robert Oppenheimer, but his conflict, if you will, with uh, Mr. Strauss and others challenging his premise. And I feel that as I watch it again, it is really a very rich film. In a way, not only just as a film, but almost as a documentary in presenting ideas that relate to the development of the bomb, as it's called. And I feel that for anyone that has not seen it, even though it is long, it is well worth the time to watch. And not only for generations of our ilk, but also for younger generations. A lot of that is not dealt with in Oppenheimer. It's more conflict between the United States and then the Soviet Union and Russia in some degrees. But also, it's a conflict within the government about how the weapons themselves were created and why. And from that point of view, I think it's really a good, as I said before, primer. And also, because it is a movie as opposed to a documentary, it is entertaining. And I think rather than go into details about what the entertainment values are, you go see it and see what I'm talking about. There is some romance in the film, but it has nothing to do with the development of the bomb. But in the way it does, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean I think there are two ways that people are seeing this movie Oppenheimer. One of them is that it's really showing the level of I guess guilt, you know, that Oppenheimer felt over just the realization of the impact of his creation the atomic bomb. And of course, Killian Murphy does an excellent job in the movie. It's a really great movie. But the less sympathetic view of the movie is that it's trying to make us feel sympathy for Oppenheimer. And, you know, he's created something so destructive and he deserves no sympathy. But I think there's definitely some middle ground. And I feel like the movie does a great job of it lets us see the destruction of this creation that Oppenheimer and his team made. How do you view that?
0: Well, in terms of sympathy, I think it's more of a challenge that he had within himself, the conflict, especially later in the in the movie that he faced with the development of the bomb. The scene with uh, Harry Truman, for example, when he broached the idea maybe that'll shut down Los Alamos. Of course, the way Truman is depicted in this movie, he obviously had no sympathy for that idea. And it's gone on from there. That's the problem now. We're so many years in with the possession of the bomb, and those that are in charge are the ones that are dealing with, they have to carry along, I suppose, the possession of the bomb because, obviously, as the movie depicts, the Soviets, now the Russians, have the primary holders between the United States and the Russians. But recently, China has come into the scene as well. They're very much developing their own nuclear weapon complex along with the other nations that already have the bombs. But China now is creating what will probably be the third largest possessor of nuclear weapons. And that's going to cause more of an issue as we move along for younger generations particularly. And and that's a concern to me Mm -hmm. um, because I think that it's a challenge. How do you not use these weapons? And I think that really is going to be an ongoing conflict in the world. And I think the movie itself depicts that conflict in interesting ways between those who were the developers of the bomb and those that wanted, after they were successful in achieving the scientific goal of developing nuclear bombs, to where we now are today with the number of weapons that exist in the world, not only between the United States and Russia, now with the developing arsenal of the Chinese, as well as the other nations that already have the weapons. So, you know, I think the movie in itself depicts not only the complexity of this discussion, but also the challenges within individual minds like Oppenheimer when it comes to why do we have these weapons and what do we do with them?
1: Yeah. So I guess I'm curious, thinking about the movie. And obviously, you've made several documentaries on this, and you've brought awareness to this. And we've had you on our show before to talk about this very real threat of nuclear catastrophe. And I guess I'm curious, what does a world without nuclear weapons look like? And is that possible? How do we achieve that?
0: Look, Halo, you obviously invited me back because you're curious about what those solutions can be. I mean, a small example is in my recent film, there's a period in the film where there's a sequence about Ukraine. As you know, the film begins with the irony of the primary five nuclear weapon states who are members of the United Nations Security Council, that being the United States, Russia, China, and France, and um, the United Kingdom. The other four nations that have the weapons now being India, Pakistan, Israel, and North Korea, uh, and the aspiring nation, being Iran. They're trying to contain the number of states. And in the case of all these nations, the United States and Russia, for example, the START Treaty in two years. I had a conversation with someone yesterday about this. In just two years, the START Treaty has to be renewed by the United States and Russia. Russia is not talking the United States. Russia now has invaded Ukraine, which, and Ukraine used to be a possessor of nuclear weapons, as was Belarus. But at the end of the Cold War, both of those nations gave up their nuclear weapons. And as is pointed out in the film, why'd that happen? Well, because the deal was that all the weapons would go back to Russia because it was all part of the Soviet Union. And then those weapons were dismantled and they were bombs, if you will, were dispersed. Uh, they, all the materials were sent back to the United States to be reprocessed. So that is a small example of the fact that they can dismantle the weapons. larger issue is not only the dismantling of the weapons scientifically, but also psychologically. It's very difficult for these nations that have the possessor, or possessors of the weapons, to find a way to say we're going to get rid of them. So I think that's really the great challenge that is faced for future generations. And one of the reasons I've done these films is to introduce it to your generation and younger, because the way it looks now, realistically, the weapons are gonna be around for a very long time. And the dangers, and I try not to scare people, but to inform them of the reality. And in all three films that I've done, over the last 15 years, the first thing I've chosen to do in each film is to show the actual destruction of the weapons as what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Because people, I don't think, really truly understand the destructive power. And one thing that's interesting, as you know, in the Oppenheimer film is the the other argument between the scientists that wanted and did create the hydrogen bomb as opposed to the atomic bomb. The hydrogen bomb is easily 10, 20, 50 times more destructive than the atomic bomb. In a rather interesting way to me. That was one of the arguments in the film. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that any use of nuclear weapons on any level will be totally comprehended and hopefully not by anyone else. It can be shown in the films that I've done by what happened with Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And there's some animation in the first film that shows the spread of what happens with a nuclear weapon.
1: Well Robert, let's go ahead and take a break right here and when we get back we'll talk more about what that destruction looked like on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and we can talk more about your documentaries. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio and we'll be right back.
0: I'm Tanya Mosley. And I'm Juana Summers. People collect all sorts of things. Sports memorabilia, stamps, and antique lamps. If you've collected a few classic cars over the years and you also love public radio, consider this.
1: Donate it to this station and it could mean hundreds of dollars in
0: support. Donate online at tpr.careasy.org or call 877-486-1227. Huh. What's はい
1: Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. What we just heard is the scene from the movie In This Corner of the World, which tells the story of an 18-year-old girl who endures the bombing of Hiroshima during World War II. Joining us today is Robert Fry. He's a director and producer of several documentaries on the threat of nuclear weapons. His latest documentary is called In Search of Resolution, and today he's talking to us about Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer and the real-life implications of the movie. If you're interested in Japanese perspectives of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings and how catastrophic they were, there are a few movies that demonstrate this, including In This Corner of the World, as we just heard, and Barefoot Gen" by Mori Masaki. Now, Robert, could you talk to me about the destruction of the atomic bomb you were talking about before the break, as we've seen in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you know, in the movie Oppenheimer as a sort of portrayal of his guilt and to capture the level of destruction that resulted from these bombs. We see Oppenheimer giving a speech announcing that the bombs have been dropped in Japan and there are Americans in the audience cheering him on and then suddenly everything in the movie goes quiet. The audience goes quiet and all we hear is a scream and we see that the audience members their skin starts to rip off and their bodies are ripping themselves apart and Could you talk more about how nuclear weapons change a community physically and psychologically?
0: Well, what that represented was what actually happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Those that survived those bombings did have their skin peel away, and many of those did not survive. And that's the impact of radiation on the human body for those that survive. And there are a couple of scenes that I chose to use showing skeletons but I decided also not to be too vivid about that. But the fact is that that's what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the continuing destructive power of radiation and the hibakusha that's the Japanese name for the survivors, are the ones that were impacted by that radiation and the waves, the blast waves. They are the ones that continue to this day. Many of them are no longer alive, of course, and those that survive, that's their mission to tell, as you know, in, uh, in Search of Resolution, there is a Bakusha spokesperson, along with some other scenes that show the underlying realities of what that does to the human body if they survive. But I think what the film represented with Oppenheimer is to give, quote, a hint of what that does to the human body.
1: And so what are some of the things that people can do? It's obviously uncomfortable to hear about this, to know that these weapons exist, to know the power that they have and that they could kind of end all of our lives if they're used. You have a lot of insight into kind of still having hope that we can live in a world where these weapons are no longer a threat.
0: Well, Kayla, let me say, let's start with you. You were curious enough to invite me back to your program. And why was that?
1: Well, I think I was really moved by when we had you on our program a while ago, and it hasn't left my mind. After the movie came out, there was so much discussion that I saw, and it really opened my eyes, I think. And I kind of connected it to when we had you on our program, I thought it was, you know, I just kept thinking about what you told me, about what you told David when he interviewed you. and Yeah, just knowing that this is something that's in the world and it's, it's, you know, we can go about our days, but it's there. It is always going to be there unless we do something about it.
0: I will say that I'm pleased by one thing, that you cared enough not only to invite me back, but to continue the conversation. It is really up to your generation, I believe, to find ways to develop dialogue, to pass the word on, if you will. And you're in a position now, because David is, on, is away, where you've chosen to invite me back to have a continuing conversation. Because ultimately, for me, it's the dialogue that you can help create my dream really is, and the reason I've taken to do three films on this, I actually started, I was in the Army in late 50s, giving away my age, I suppose. <laughs> but I remember talking with, and I worked on this topic, and I can't go into it, what I did, but I remember talking with one of the men that I worked with. I said, why do you do this work? And he said, because it's my job. And many people that deal with nuclear weapons, no matter what they do, they consider it their job. Does that make them bad people? No, I don't think so. It's just where they find themselves. And those that are in the governments, they have the responsibility of not allowing these weapons to be used in war. But at the same time, that's the great dilemma. They're here. They're present. They can be They can be used. And it's one of the great challenges. One of the things I've tried to do in the film, films is to show those that are trying to explain what they're for, what can be done to not use them, I mean, that's the great challenge that the world faces. This is not just a um, topic for those in, that reside in the nuclear weapon states. It's something that can be done by many people. If I may give a plug, the website that is attached to this project, uh, the nuclearworld.org and I believe you've probably gone on the site. There are many resources, and also within the, the website, there is something I've called a connection portal, And in the Connection Portal are several organizations. You know, those that are involved in helping people, they can join, they can get information. There's more resources out there than one can imagine once you get into it. And one of the reasons that I created the website was for that very fact, that people can go and explore, join if they want, or get involved in this. And also, I was speaking with someone yesterday who was very actively involved in this this world, and he's looking to hire someone for his organization. And what he said was interesting. There were many people that applied for the job. So that means there are people of your generation out there that care about this topic and want to do something about it in any way they can. You are going to make a difference by just having this conversation with me because you consider this to be a challenge. And I think that's going to be the ongoing challenge, not only in this country. And I'm not being Pollyannish about this, by the way, because I understand that the power is in the hands of the possessors but there is another power, and that is knowledge and understanding that something needs to be done to change the underlying dynamic. And it's not just about the use of the nuclear weapons that is of concern, but it's about those that are involved in the various governments and what they can do. Many people that are working with these weapons, they don't want to use them. They're there, right? And I think that's going to be one of the great challenges moving forward, because as difficult as it is to comprehend And one of the reasons that in all three films, I've showed some images and conversations by those that have taken the time to understand the reality and the complexities of them to speak about it. And that's really the only thing I can do, I feel, is to provide the information. And I feel also, going back to the Oppenheimer film, one of the things that I felt was very interesting in looking at it again. It's a very complex issue. And it's not only about the making of the mechanics of it. It's about the human beings that are involved. And yes, there was a big scene toward the end of the film where all the people that had worked on the bomb in Los Alamos were applauding Oppenheimer. But believe me, Oppenheimer was also anguished by this. And when he met with the President Truman in the Oval Office and suggested shutting down Los Alamos and the reaction that Truman has in the field, Obviously, they were opposite ends of the pole when it came to the success of the development of the bomb.
1: I think what stood out to me about the film is kind of showing that this is something that should not be in our hands, really. It's something that I can't even imagine having created that and then seeing the impact of it. And I don't think that's something that any human can comprehend, even the one who created it. It's something beyond us. It's something just so huge and so destructive.
0: You said it. But once one begins to understand, and again, I go back to your generation and folks younger than you, you're the ones that have to work on this to try and find a way to change the underlying dynamic. And then that's the challenge. And even for those that are involved in the nuclear complex, no matter where they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, the situation with Russia now after the first part of January, the five nuclear weapon states saying these nuclear weapons should never be used in war. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it's at the beginning of the, of the film in search resolution. But the point is, that's what they said, the five of them, against the backdrop of the United Nations. But then, less than two months later, Mr. Putin threatened their use after he invaded Ukraine, which had been a former nuclear weapon state. Again, complexities. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I think outside again the Oppenheimer film, I think the complexities were shown on many different levels.-
1: mm-hmm. I think so too. I think it's a great film. and if our listeners haven't seen it, I think they should watch it because it really does show that complexity, as you said, and it's so multi-layered. It's such a great film and I hope that people will give it a chance. It's three and a half hours long, but it doesn't feel that way. It's such a good movie. Um, but thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everything you've done to bring awareness to this. And I hope people will watch both Oppenheimer and your documentary, your all of your documentaries. Um, just thank you so much for bringing attention to this because it's something that we all have to live with.
0: Dale, I wish you the very best in your career. You obviously have a great deal of interest not only in this topic and everything else that you do with David on the source. And I feel that's important. The thing is, we can do our work, right? But it takes the listeners, in your case, to do the listening. And then if something attracts them to get involved in it. And that's really a lot of what you two do on the source is you put the story out there and you do develop in a very good way. But then it's really up to the listeners. And if they're watching television, as opposed to watching you know, films, it's for them to take actions and not not to be passive. And I think, frankly, You were not passive when you got in touch with me, and you're a very good example of what people need to do with the world that we exist in today going into tomorrow. And I I wish you the best. And again, thank you for being in touch.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. Robert Fry is director and producer of the documentary In Search of Resolution. You can find it online at pbs.org. This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. Thank you so much for listening.
0: This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves, and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.